This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by the all-new VideoMic Pro Plus from Rode Microphones, the ultimate on-camera shotgun microphone, and by DaVinci Resolve and the Ursa Mini Pro from Blackmagic Design. Hey, this is Oakley Anderson-Moore, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. To say that it's tough to play your short at Sundance is an understatement. In 2018, 69 shorts were picked from 8,740 submissions. And while there's no simple formula on how to make a short film that will get into Sundance, programmer Dilcia Barrera told No Film School that there is one important guiding principle for filmmakers that do, and that is be authentic to your reality and your style. Anything contrived is obvious to programmers. While at Sundance, I sat down with five filmmakers whose short films embody just that authentic quality that you instantly recognize in a really good short. Our conversation can hopefully offer you insight on how to make a good film that's authentic to your voice. I'm Oakley Anderson-Moore from No Film School, and I'm sitting at a table with five very talented filmmakers who have short films in Sundance this year. Thank you guys so much for uh, coming to talk to me today. You're welcome. Nice. Well done. Is that a cue to talk? (laughs) So um, (laughs) what's so exciting to me about the group of filmmakers that I have in front of me is that they kind of represent all this this broad spectrum of films. We've got a documentary. We've got an animation. We've got actor, director. We have drama shot on 16 millimeter. We've got pretty much everything. So I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. And yeah, so I'd just love to go around and introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about the film that you have at the festival. Um, my name is Anna Margaret Holliman, um, and I'm the writer, director, and actor in um, the short film called Maud. My name is Kamal Bilal, and I have a short documentary called Baby Brother. It's about my youngest sibling who moves back in with our parents, and he's he's kind of a rambunctious guy. Uh, my name is Pete Lee. I directed the short film Don't Be a Hero. It's uh, like a little gender-bending heist movie about a middle-aged woman who's disappointed with their life. So she deals with it by um, dressing up as a cowboy to rob banks during her lunch break. I'm Shindine Tome, and I'm the writer, director, and editor of Mud. Hush, Klishni, not to be confused with Mod. Um, but it is. Do you like how I did that <laughs> for this panel? Yeah, we actually just Mud found out, like, because we've been like talking to people, and they're like Mod, and you're like, no Mud, <laughs> and yeah. then it's like Mud, no Mod. Yeah, I keep. Yeah, very different films too. Very different films. Wow. Like hers is a comedy, uh, mine is a drama. <laughs> but um, basically, my story is about a woman who is trying to mend a relationship with her son, but it's affected by alcoholism on the last day of her life. My name is Diana Bamsawin. I made a film, animated film, a short. It's called I Like Girls. It, it's about um, um, the first uh, attraction for a woman. So I interviewed uh, four friends and they talked me about the first uh, desire, even s- uh, semi-inconsciously. So it's almost a documentary in that sense, but it's animated. Fantastic. So I guess the first thing I'd like to talk to you about is one thing I'm always curious is how did you decide to start this particular short that you're showing? And I mean, people go through all kinds of ideas, but actually it'd be like, I'm going to make this and do it. And how long did it take you then to complete it? And we have such a variety of types of films. So I, I'm curious to hear about the time frame after you decided to, to go forward with it. I, I'm like historically have just been an actor in, in indie films. And so um, 
part of me writing a short was to write a part for myself because I was so desperate for a role. Um, and the story itself is about a girl who shows up to a house to um, babysit and finds that the woman who answers the, answers the door is someone who she went to college with. And she pretends, and then my character pretends she's the, babe, the mom for the day. Um, so it had a lot to do with my, like the story was something I've been thinking about for a long time because I had all these survival jobs um, that I was doing, even though I was having artistic success. <laughs> Um, I was really broke. <laughs> now I'm rich. No, um, but um, so basically the, the timeline for me was just I, you know, over the years actually I've found journals of like just ideas that I've been writing down. And, and so it was probably five years before I finally wrote it. But I wrote it in the fall of last year and pretty quickly. And then I um, – was planning on shooting on April Fool's Day because I just thought like April 1st I could do it. Mm-hmm. And then I found out in January I was pregnant. So I had mm. no choice but to shoot it. Gotta so that's it. why I, like time-wise I was like, well, I will not be showing until, you know. So so that for me, like I didn't, I kind of had a gun to my head, which was my unborn daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my personal um, story with that because I just, I knew I had to, get it done and it did I was had a lot of self-doubt I don't know if you guys like mm-hmm. you go through that stage where you're like this is stupid I shouldn't mm-hmm. do it and then getting pregnant was like well if I don't do it now I don't know when I will be able to do oh, it so yeah it's like a really big thing to propel you because you're like I gotta yeah. do it yeah you know what was it like since this was your first time being behind the camera but you were also acting I mean what was the process like when you shot it when you finally decided to go for it and you were in production I think it was, um, I think working on indie film sets, like the best part about them, if you're an actor and you're own and you haven't broken and you're not on like a really cushy HBO show or whatever, is that you're really <laughs> used to doing different tasks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, my first film that I did, um, I mean, there was only, there was five of us in a van. So, I mean, I had to do some basic just some basic slating here and there and <laughs> wardrobe and makeup and everything else. So it's like, it seemed fine to me. Like I felt as an actor, I feel like when you're on a set, you should be able to do a lot of different roles and not mm-hmm. be a big baby. Um, yeah, I think so, that's wonderful. <laughs> but I, so I was just used to having to hyphenate and multitask, but of course like doing it, it was completely insane. Um, but I had a really good crew and I had really good producers and I, I didn't find it that different. The only difference was I wish I could I wish I could look at the monitor, because <laughs> oh, yeah. like, there's some shots where I'm like, ooh, ooh, well, eh, we won't use that one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think the the lucky part of working in indie film is that you just have to do so many things anyways. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. So it was really a couple of things I'd say. One was that I, I was trying to do something else and I couldn't get funding to do that, uh, which I think is probably a common problem. So then, you know, then secondly, you start looking around, okay, what's close? And then, uh, so you do what's called proximity cinema, whatever's closest to you. And then like, how can I do this as cheaply as possible? That's called proximity cinema. I, I, I just like kind that. of coined it. And I, like I was <laughs> I asked to talk about this. And so it's like a word I've been using now because I really like the idea yeah, of it. Like proximity that. cinema. <laughs> Prox cinema. Prox cinema. Oh, snap. And then, so secondly, it was then my brother, like his personality, I felt was really um, he could emote and he would sort of do things randomly that I felt was really good for the camera. Uh, And then sort of I think the box that it gets put in happens kind of along in documentary like you kind of 
trust the process that, you know, this material is good and then how I put it together later will come. Right. So understanding that process, I think, uh, was important to doing it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, it's what I, what's so delightful about your film and you can watch it on New York Opdocs, which is cool. So mm-hmm. people listening can actually yeah. check it out. Your documentary is so like lyrical and delightful and following your brother around, which he is this character. Um, you know, how, what was the relationship between how you shot it and how you edited it? Because it just, mm-hmm. things line up like there's a repetition the way that you would find in a narrative with like a comedic mm-hmm. effect uh, mm-hmm. with his antics when he right. moves in. So what was your process like coming up with that as a documentary? Uh, in terms of like getting that structure, that all was sort of the editing. And I think when I'm shooting as well, I try to have as much, and this is something you discover, I think, while you're shooting it. You know, you kind of have these ideas in your head about what, you want to do and you're not really sure if it's if it's working but you try to have a clear intention at least for me like why am I putting the camera here or why am I shooting this or why am I covering this and not covering that and I kind of I feel like it helps to you to write the script in a way right so then the audience really feels that later and I think that's a a key important part of of filmmaking for me at least is that the audience understands that somebody's in control of this thing right and then they, when it starts they they feel from every scene that it's leading somewhere and there's no sort of meandering without purpose meandering is fine i think if you have purpose but like for what i wanted to do with this i wanted to feel very clearly guided i think how old is your brother he was 23 when i started shooting and there was like a six month period where i stopped because it was really it was really tricky filming with a, a family member because he's really struggling like you know just trying to put his life together and you're, you're there with a with a camera and it's obviously you know tricky to navigate that so there was like a six month period where I stopped filming I think um and then I had so I teach at the university and I had an editing class and I had them editing some scenes and I was like is this material like good to you guys like and they, they, they all just loved it and they loved him so I picked it back up somewhere in there uh, cool yeah all right Pete you're up all right. Um, I don't know. I think this project started and stopped uh, for a while. Um, uh, don't be a hero. I, uh, I re- you know, I read an article from Texas Monthly a while ago, and it, it reminded me of this woman that I would see, you know, profiled in like those cheap like true crime shows, and they're always kind of like mean, like uh, oh, this, this lady dressed up as a cowboy and got caught, you know, you know, and. and uh, I rem- like all the way back to I think like early 2000 when I read about her in the paper I was just thought well that's <laughs> that's that doesn't seem very nice except and then I read this article that you know that, that was really fascinating I think a lot of people have read it it's called the last ride of cowboy bob and uh and I thought I would just you know practice in like uh writing adaptation I started writing and then just became more and more different um from the source material until I think like I kept some stuff in there almost just for tribute, just to remind myself like where this came from. Uh, but that took a while because uh, 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 I think two of the things that really pushed me, one was uh, my DP Drew Daniels, who also shot, uh, he's got like a bunch of things here. He also shot another short film called Men Don't Whisper. Uh, that was really, really funny. And I think you can also watch that online right now. And uh, he also shot uh, the feature um, Arizona, and uh, yeah, you know, he. I remember we were all just kind of kids struggling in, in Oakland, and things. You know, people start recognizing his talents, start traveling, and then he would just come back with like findings from the outside world. You know how people actually do things, and that kind of became. I think 
his way of really trying to push me. I was a big brother for a while. I like to fans myself as that anyway. And then he just started really pushing me. He's like, when are we going to do our thing? When are and at some point I just thought, all right, um, maybe I can't write 120 pages right now, but at least there's 15 pages in there. That is fun. And um, But I think the other one, uh, when I like really decided like fuck it let's do it uh, was <laughs> I got uh, I remember uh, so like Boots Riley used to hang out with with us a lot I don't think he's well oh, anymore nice. yeah he's he's big now yeah. <laughs> I'm like, or his hair is I don't know uh, anyway he he, uh, a relationship. <laughs> he was uh, he used to hang out a lot and I remember like the day when Boots decided that he was going to shoot his feature, sorry mm-hmm. to bother. He's going to direct it as opposed to just be a writer on it. And uh, and then from that point out, he would just show up at uh, the little warehouse that I used to run uh, or help run and with like all kinds of really insane questions about cinema. Can we put a lens this way? Why do we CGI half of a sh- frame and use a different lens? Like any question, <laughs> like, and, and it was insane. I remember one night I was sick. I was like, I was moody. And I remember just telling him like, Hey, maybe maybe you're not ready. Maybe somebody else should produce this. And he's never he's always been the chillest dude. But he snapped at me that night and he <laughs> said, oh, "You don't think I I have doubts like in my own mind? You don't think I have enough people doubting me? Like I I came to you for a question, uh, and if you don't want to help me, don't help me. Like why are you gonna join that?" Um, and then he hung up, and then he called back, and he goes, I think the reason you're telling me to not do this is because you're afraid to do your own film. Mm. Uh, so why Ooh, don't we burn. both Why don't we both do our movies so that way we'll both have a movie instead of neither of us having a That's movie. That's awesome. So yeah. it's like a relief that you know we're here at the same time. But yeah. I think those are the two people, a, a little brother and a big brother, both like sandwiching me and putting fire under my ass. So like <laughs> that was how this got made. Yeah, so... One thing about your film is there's this strong visual strategy, and it's interesting to hear that it's, you know, an adaptation from a real-life woman. Um, can you talk about what came to you visually, how you decided the way this you wanted this piece to look? Because it's like this woman, and she's got, you know, um, you know, fake mustaches, and she's robbing banks, and the visual look matches that. So how did you decide to pair those together? You know, uh, when you think of, like, small-town crime, like, they're a bunch of image i think the first thing is find fighting the temptation of like the first instincts that you have uh <laughs> i know some artists who are just like extremely instinct instinctual and i don't think my instincts are like amazing i think a lot of times <laughs> it just goes to like the laziest choice yeah. um huh. and in fact like the first draft i wrote about in, in the bank robbery you know it's like a die pack explosion you know like just like the the, the easiest way to make things look interesting yeah. and uh and i think it's just about whittling that down and start taking things away um and uh but like at same at the same point like don't turn into self-hatred like you got to be true to yourself uh i think a lot of it is just is, is pretty collaborative um i have uh i have this crew that all used to run together in uh, oakland um we were part of his little collective called scandinavia and um so everybody like really understands where everyone else is at and uh, so uh, there are certain moments where a, like a quick shot turns into like a really slow like four minute one take dolly shot and all that took was drew the dp looking at me uh in the middle of a shot and me just like world twirling my finger in the air and then like telling him to go for it and then you know right there and then the dolly grip knew how to push it and 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 you know the ac followed so there's like a bunch of little magical moments like that where just uh like 
them understand that I only have like six tricks and I'm just like trick number four, you know, just like, just, just do <laughs> right. that. Right. Um, so that was, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it was deliberate, but not on my end. <laughs> this seems much more deliberate on everyone else's end. Huh. It's so interesting. I know that phenomenon where you get an image in your head of something you're planning, but you're like, that's stupid or lame, but it's hard to get that image out, you know, and be more creative or something. I don't know. Right. So just trying to come up with it in, in certain contexts. So uh, the film could easily just be about how badass somebody is. But mm-hmm. for me, what is more interesting is like what happens when the makeup comes back and she has to go back to her job mm-hmm. and her mom and her shitty ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, uh, um, there are some strategies involved in that, like how to, you know, uh, I think the very basic strategy is when she's robbing a bank, when she's a cowboy, you make her mm-hmm. the center of every every frame. And then when she is not, she's almost like out of focus. She's like a side character in other yeah, people's story. So, yeah, so things like that. I don't know. Sometimes you just say words and then... Mm-hmm. People, people's interpretation are better than your words. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes that's a rush, I think, of working with people that you love. Mm, very cool. All right, Shandine, love to hear from you. Yeah, so um, the background behind this story started last year um, or like a little bit before last year when um, a, a family member of mine died uh, outside of Gallup uh, and was found in a ditch, uh, decomposed. Um, over like three weeks, uh, his body became undistinguishable um, and uh, he was found um, a little too late. But basically what happens in Gallup, New Mexico is there's a thing um, and this happens in several different places called exposure death. And so the Navajo Nation uh, is not allowed to have alcohol on on the reservation or people aren't allowed to consume. So people uh, go to these things called border towns and they consume. And during the winter months, they either walk or they, they feel the sensation of being warm and they strip mm-hmm. off their clothing and they end up um, passing throughout the night because of like relentless temperatures. Mm-hmm. So... That happened to uh, a few of my different family members and um, being Native American, like there's the stereotypical uh, image of like a drunk native or like a stoic chief or like an Indian princess. And so it was like trying to like figure out how can we um, how can we like shift that perspective back into something that is more human and like uh, targeting like emotion rather than statistics. And so. yeah, um, from there, I started like writing at the beginning of last year, um, and it's like my first uh, film. And so uh, what happened was I uh, applied to a fellowship, and I got it, and we got a grant and mentorship. And so we shot it over last year and edited, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So, you know, I'd love to ask you about why you shot on 16 millimeter because... Um you don't see that so often, but there's a feeling that's different that comes with that. Um, why was that a choice? How did it fit in with this story and how much more complicated did it make things? Yeah. So, uh, Gallup, New Mexico is a place that's like super stuck in time. Um, you go there, it's along route 66. Like it feels like a place in like the seventies or the eighties. And there's, um, not too much like distinguishing factors of like time. And so we thought that we would play with that and like shoot on 16 to give it like, um, a feel where you wouldn't know when this is happening. And so the hope with that was to like, to make the story like more transcendent and like have or uh 
like be able to be told across like generations and that sort of thing and like have people identify with the character rather than the time and like the 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 feeling of it being recent or not and so um yeah we shot on 16 for mostly that reason but then also like the grittiness and the grain structure and like that sort of thing like really added um an element of emotion that we were uh looking to achieve and then um yeah, the whole process of shooting on film was uh, incredible. And I think that if we were to shoot on digital, we would have would have had like a completely different film um, because you're forced to kind of like look at the frame, like make everything intentional and like try to uh, combine shots or figure out like what is the intention behind this and like why are we seeking emotion throughout this? And um, yeah, it it really allowed me to like dive deep into the process like I do camera department stuff and like cinematography um before I've done this and so it's it's been a really beautiful process oh that's awesome perfect Deanne <laughs> so uh, I had the idea to do my film uh it begins when I I, I wrote a book um it's from a Quebecois author and uh, he's a gay writer and he, he explained that uh, how in, at the age of 16 he discovered he was homosexual because he was real, suddenly realizing that when he saw two a couple kissing, uh, he always identified like uh, as the woman receiving the, the kiss and suddenly it was, ah, so I'm gay. So I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, to think about, at the same time I was thinking about my own experience. And I realized that I, I, I was 40, almost 50, I think, at that time. And I realized that I was always in love with someone. And it, it came from the seven, when I was seven years old, about six, seven. It was a need to be in love with someone. And I discovered that I did, uh, as I did uh, 14 different schools, it was the first thing I did in the, when I was new at school is to choose a girl with whom I will fall in love uh, the very first day, so it was a, fo a focus for me, for 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 the year I would spend in that school. Oh, she's there, she's there, all right. But I I, I never spoke to to her. But uh, how I remembered that story, I decided to to maybe make a cartoon of it, a comic strip, um, graphic novel. So uh, I interviewed uh, ten friends about their experiences. And uh, it became a graphic novel book about 10 stories, of 10 stories. And it was interesting for me to have uh, different ages also because it's uh, different uh, realities. Like uh, I have a friend who is just five years older than me and her re reality were, were more tragic than mine. Just five years and younger, um, it may be more easy, but it depends if you come from the country. So. I, I was um, asking that uh, question. And after, uh, my producer, he said, oh, I think it will make, uh, in, at NFB, he, he said, I think it will make uh, a good movie. So I, I, it, I, I was not able to do the six, the 10 story, it will be too long. So I choose uh, four story. I choose what I thought was the most romantic, what I thought was the, the most goofy, and what I thought was the most uh, sad and also mine, because I, I made the film, so I, I thought it was normal to uh, as solidarity also. And uh, it, it happened like this. So tell us about 
how you arrived at your style of animation because so you know I like girls it's the people in there um they're part human but they have also animal qualities Mm -hmm. it's really inventive and creative and colorful can you talk about how did you arrive at this aesthetic yeah um it was uh yes uh because uh for the comic i I don't draw realistic uh, in a realistic way and i wanted uh, the comics to be sensual because i wanted that girls uh, who loves girls have a sexuality because sometimes we, f- we think we don't do nothing. <laughs> so I, I wanted really to be it's really sexy and sensual. But as I don't draw in a realistic way, it would be no, no really sensual. So I, I, I did a lot of um, drawing beside, uh, how do you say, um, you know, when you draw, um, uh, you copy like... A, like tracing? Yeah, I'm tracing with uh, like... A, nude from the 19th century or things like this and yeah. I just pop a head a, a, a animal head <laughs> uh, to to interpret uh, uh, as my uh, to my style but it, it's going not too weird it, it was it's worked but uh, I had the same problem with uh, anim- uh, the animated uh, film so I said to my producer we should do rotoscopy because it's very hard to, uh, even if you know how to draw in a realistic way, it's very hard to draw, animate two body um, together, our hands. Uh, just one you can manage, but two makes love, for example. To draw it is really complicated. And as I wanted them to be central, uh, we decided to do rotoscopy. So we, we decided to hire actors. And then my producer, he said, okay, we booked two days for acting, especially the kissing kiss and the most sensual uh, scene. And he said, okay, as you will have actors, think about the psychology of the characters. And suddenly I realized I I hate psychology in um, my... I don't (laughs) like it. There is nothing about psychology in there. So uh, we we realized, why not take a dancer? And actually, the dancer was uh, the, the 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 best for the sensual movement and uh, and the the, the 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 way how to walk. Uh, we d- I decided to to make them walk uh, as a animated character, so there was uh, a little jumpy uh, the way they they walk. So they were they were already a, a little animated before I animated them. I don't know if it's yeah. clear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. Very cool. Thank you. Originally designed for Hollywood's elite colorists, DaVinci Resolve has been used on more feature films and TV shows than anything else because it lets you create images that are simply impossible with other tools. The latest release of Resolve now incorporates full nonlinear editor functionality and fully featured Fairlight audio, integrated directly with color tools to provide a comprehensive and complete pipeline for finishing. Recently introduced and making an impact around the industry for its high quality and flexible form factor, the Ursa Mini Pro professional digital camera combines incredible image quality with the features of a traditional broadcast camera. Ergonomically designed controls on the side of the camera allow you to adjust most settings by feel and without ever having to take your eyes off the action. 
Ursa Mini Pro also features built-in ND filters, a status display, and a revolutionary new interchangeable lens mount that lets you change between EF photographic lenses, or PL, B4, and F mount lenses. Ursa Mini Pro is lightweight and comfortable enough to use all day, has controls that are extremely fast to use, and image quality that's far superior to broadcast cameras costing 10 times more. That's the Ursa Mini Pro Professional Digital Cinema Camera from Blackmagic Design. The all-new VideoMic Pro Plus from Rode Microphones is jam-packed with useful features for shooters on the go. The automatic power function is perfect for the run-and-gun shooter, automatically turning the microphone off when unplugged from the camera. The mic's built-in battery door makes replacing the battery a breeze, plus it won't get lost. It has multiple power options, including the all-new and Rode LV1 lithium-ion rechargeable battery, two AA batteries, or powering continuously via micro-USB. The VideoMic Pro Plus also offers digital switching, which ensures that you have ultimate capture of the audio signal at the source, reducing post-production and editing times. Finally, the high-frequency boost will boost high frequencies, enhancing detail and clarity in the recording, and a safety channel helps ensure that the signal does not clip when unexpected spikes occur. That's the all-new VideoMic Pro Plus from Rode Microphones. One thing I'm curious to ask about everyone's experiences on these films is when you're making a film, a short or a feature, there's this whole process along the way that some things work out, some things don't, some things you might be like, oh, never mind, we don't need to do that or whatnot. But there's so many choices you make and they kind of add up to whether or not your film works at the end. So I'm just curious about, you know, your experiences on your films what was like the one thing that you were like, no, I, this has to stay this way in order for my film to work? And like, you know, I'd be curious to hear about that, if that sounds familiar to anyone's struggles making their film. I have uh, maybe something, but yeah. maybe it's not the, the right answer. There's um, no, there's no it, right answers. <laughs> it was about the, the background. I had difficulty. I took me, the film, it took me 16 months to do. For eight minutes, but uh, it took me two two months to decide that I do backgrounds and backgrounds, and it never fits. So I decided uh, at the end no backgrounds uh, or very very little backgrounds, and it makes more more space. And like uh, I had a scene with uh, a couple walking in, we saw them from the back on the street, and it was romantic like this way. But as soon as I draw the street. And the perspective, it reduces uh, the emotion a lot. So I decided to, and, and, uh, uh, but it, it was a hard decision because it's not attractive not to do, uh, but it was best for the film. So uh, maybe it's your question, it was, I had to stick to, to the, the question, what is the, the best for the film? Even if it, I was afraid it's too simple, too nude, but it, it was the best for the film. So no, no backgrounds. That's great. Does anyone else have something like that? Where you ha That's an interesting, you have to make a choice as an artist. You're like, this isn't exactly what I want, but it is the best for the story. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had a similar, because there was, when you're shooting, I guess, a documentary, you do, you, I mean, you don't have to, but like, you kind of do these interviews and you talk to people, uh, the people who are involved and you get their kind of introspective thoughts. Uh, so there was a point in time where it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to interweave this stuff throughout it. Um, and I think when I started trying to do it, it was, it disrupted the flow that I had developed. And I found in that process that you could infer a lot more without having to do that. 
Um, and so it was kind of a battle within your own mind of like sticking to that or doing this other thing, which, cause you can make it work the other way, just the same, you know? And I think for me, it was just a challenge. Can I make it wait? Can I make it work this other way too? Um, and I found it was like, at least as an experiment, you know, whether it succeeds or fails, at least you learn something by making that decision to do it or not to do it. Um, I would say like over like a, a more like broad over point would be like, uh, most of the stories here in Sundance are like told from like very distinct perspectives and distinct voices. And I think that some of them are topics that people don't want to talk about. <laughs> like, uh, there are films that you don't want to make. Like I, I don't want to make a story that has to deal with like addiction and that sort of thing. And, but it is something that's like very personal to me and it's something that is uh, very affecting of like my life. And so it's, it's an honest perspective from myself, but uh, it, it's also about knowing that like by telling this story, hopefully you're able to like reach someone else and hopefully you're able to like, even just like share a conversation with someone else. Uh, and I think that that is a really beautiful part of filmmaking is that there's constantly people telling these stories from perspectives that they, they feel very secretive and like very uh, sh like scared to tell, but they do it anyway. And um, I think that's really beautiful. Um. I don't know, like, <laughs> there's so many things that I felt like I insisted on and getting pushed back on. I think one is during the making of a story, just, uh, and I think sometimes, a lot of times, the person I'm pushing back against is actually myself. But, you know, <laughs> uh, um, you, you have the script, and, 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 and it's got a bank robbery in it, and I think everyone wants to make it go bigger. Um, at, at all these, like, different turns, and I think everyone, and but I think... I just forced myself to go through all the research and, and, and then just, just to have something to show the crew. Like, this is how it's actually done. It's not very glamorous. It's very quiet. And, like, really forcing everyone to stick to that. And I remember there was a lot of pushbacks, a lot of uh, people insisting that, like, then you're just going to have, like, a really quiet, like, kind of boring movie. Um, so, and, like, the, those those voices aren't wrong but it is like up to me and the actors try to figure out like how to you know how to make like conversation between two lonely people at a bar seem like a sparkly or even more so than the bank robbery itself um so i think that was um yeah that was something that i really had to fight because you get a lot of opportunities you're working with a lot of really talented actors so at any moment like i'm uh missy powell's my my actor any any moment you can like cut her loose and she'll just do something insane and mm -hmm. and, she, and she has like like in a couple of takes just like just as goose as, as options but you know just really like remembering to try to stay try to stay honest like they're already Jason Statham's already out there doing the badass thing. Like, you're not, you're not going to be a more sensitive Jason Statham. So, yeah. Yeah, kind of, I mean, not too dissimilar from that. I found, um, like, my story, but when I was writing the first few drafts and sharing it with other friends who are professional writers, um, um, a couple notes, I got some amazing notes, and then I, because I have um, a dynamic with two women at the beginning, um, two women who have taken very different paths and they might be, you don't really know their past. Um, a couple of notes that I got from people, there was this kind of desire to have, I wanted the dynamic between the two of them. I wanted you to feel like they had a past and know that they had a past and not necessarily know what that past was. And I think there was this impulse a lot of people had to be like, 
well, they hate each other. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that one's the f- good one because she's like the messy one who's not making any money and the rich, pretty one is a bitch. <laughs> so let's make it so that at the end, we find out that like her husband isn't like, it looks like a perfect marriage, but it isn't. And I had to push, I remember kind of getting kind of, like upset because I was like, I want to try to make, um, you know, you write what you know, and I know about being a woman, I guess. Um, and you know, sure. I'm, you know, a white woman. And so there's a, there's, I can write that pretty confidently right now. And, and I, I think there's this impulse to kind of there, it was upsetting to me that there was still this impulse by other women to be like, well, she's, one's good and one's bad and I was like that's not what people are (laughs) Um, and I remember kind of going and then getting those notes I had so much self-doubt suddenly because it was my first time doing it so I was like well maybe I should maybe there isn't enough conflict and I feel the same way it's like can't we just it's like a bank robbery isn't really sexy it's but that's what makes it interesting right like is that it is this weird like amps like silent ambush um and what is that? We've never seen it. So like, that's what makes it interesting. So I felt that was something that I had to kind of push back on. And I think there was also sometimes not, I, I, everyone, I really had a wonderful experience on set. I think it set the bar way too high um, for me. But, you know, there were some moments where I think people are afraid to be still. Um, and so when there was dialogue and it was the most dialogue heavy part, it's like, well, shouldn't, shouldn't they be walking around and shouldn't this character be busy and shouldn't it be like a, you know, West Wing, like walk and talk or whatever. And I was like, no, let's make these people be with each other. And like, it's very similar. Like, let's see this conversation. Like, it's so uncomfortable to sit. It's so uncomfortable to watch someone be uncomfortable. And that's what I find interesting because I am so uncomfortable so often. (laughs) I wanted to capture that. Just that like, I have to stand and be normal, be normal, be normal, be normal. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And I think, you know, like just one more thing, thinking about your film, I think that was the right choice because when I watched it, so the premise at the beginning, it's not a spoiler for me to say it, is that, you know, your character shows up and this woman, I mean, she shows up and she's the babysitter, which is sort of the um, power relationship is like you're lower and it's not so much that the other rich woman is a terrible person, but, uh, you know, that you're like embarrassed. I'm like, oh, I know that experience so much and probably all filmmakers. I remember one time I got a job like wrapping presents at the mall or something. (laughs) And then like a film student who I had been like a camp, film camp teacher for them came by you know here I'd gone off to become a successful filmmaker and yet I was like wrapping their presents at the mall yeah, <laughs> but that's exactly what I wanted to capture I mean I'm well, like yeah I was yeah. like oh, I know that feeling yeah it's just that feeling where it's like you shouldn't feel shame because you've you've signed up for this creative life right like you're supposed yeah. to be like this is you what I'm do doing what I'm passionate to. but then I remember I was in a Whole Foods giving people tiny spoons of ricotta <laughs> like at a table tiny spoons, tiny spoons. Yeah, and I just saw somebody that I knew and I did this thing where I like literally was just like and I sunk behind the table and like hid because I just was like not today you know because it happened every day with like bartending and catering and everything else and it's like sure like these are class problems right there are worse things Mm -hmm. but it's just I wanted to capture the burning sensation that you get in your cheeks Mm -hmm. whatever that is you know any sort of humiliation and that subtle like (gasps) no (laughs) and like not today I just can't do it today so yeah, and I mean, as artists, it's something like filmmakers that people think it's glamorous, but 
we have to kind of do what we have to do. Although it is a bit glamorous with this group because you've all got your film in Sundance, which is like oh. a dream. Right. I actually <laughs> think it's it's a little liberating because uh, I I I had like a really terrible year um, uh, professionally, and I just remember hiding from a lot a lot of people, just like you know, like you know, I was doing like editing work that is for uh, oh these are actually good clients and good brands good I'm having I hold my thumb up but anyway uh, I would like take the work that I could do anywhere and take it to LA just to hide from my friends in San Francisco and just like dog sit six weeks at a time and uh and, and it was you know and then suddenly you know some, some somebody uh, mentions you in the paper puts your name next to Sundance and it's actually a lot more liberating because it feels like we're, we, at least in this country, we only accept underdog stories if we know there's like a happy ending or some kind of, mm-hmm. like you're not an underdog unless you win. Otherwise you're just a fucking loser. <laughs> uh, and, and so it was really liberating to just be like, well, I've been, I've been broke. Like, um, I, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, um, what else? Uh, it, but then, like, as you as as you admit that, like, all your friends who had rough years suddenly be like, oh yeah, 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 no, that happened to me as well, you know, like, and then you realize, like, no, yeah, uh, maybe I just should hang out with wealthier people, <laughs> but all these people that I thought were doing well, we're traveling or whatever. I think you know, it's 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 almost a cliche now. Like, uh, we are so good. Like somehow, just within like two three years of Instagram, we're yeah. like people got really good. Forty year olds somehow adapted and to get really good at. <laughs> you know a uh, 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 stunting you know so it's yeah, yeah it's it, yeah. it's liberating and I think I love that that I'm here and and, and and hang out with like people who who humble me but I think it's also weird that it takes a little bit of like perceived success for everyone to come like honest come clean with their failures mm. yeah, interesting yeah that's life well I guess <laughs> yep <laughs> that's life <laughs> I guess maybe the last thing that I'll ask everyone is to end on on this having made your short and what you got out of it either creatively or professionally or yet to be seen what would you know what would you say why why should people make shorts like what is it about a short that you derived meaning from on this project um, uh, short, it, it, it's uh, a good, uh, I don't think it's a, a hierarchy of shorts and then uh, a future, but it depends. Uh, if you want to make film, for sure it's, it be, it's best to begin shorts and from your neighborhood or something. Uh, the tiniest is the better. You can even, uh, if I, from someone who want, wants to do animation, you can even do an animated film with the photo booth of your, with the, 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 your two fingers as characters and <laughs> do a, a, a great story. So it's important to focus on the, may, maybe more the, what you want to, to say, uh, the story you want to tell, and then it's not, it's not important, keep it simple. So it's what I like with comic strip. It's even more, um, uh, how do we say, low profile. Mm-hmm. But I like it. So sometimes it's there are people are very shame. They're very uncomfortable with themselves. And it's why it's, it's, why it's so touching, uh, comic strip, because they give a, a lot of themselves because they hide somewhere and in the door. And then after they give us uh, the part, uh, the intimate part of themselves, 
Uh, so the shorts is a little bit like this, I think, if you want to begin. Uh, and you don't have to do a feature. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I would say that, uh, like, watching shorts over, like, the past few years and that sort of thing, they are, like, the most intimate experience of filmmaking because they're usually, like, people who are, like, starting out or they're, like, kind of, like, uh, finding their voice or like finding their vision and like that sort of thing and it's it's really great to see shorts that aren't like they don't have big budgets they they like work with what they have like you were saying and um, I think it it really is like uh, a pure uh, perspective of filmmaking and um, I think that I mean you can do it so yeah <laughs> and it, it's achievable it feels way more achievable than a feature so yeah the concept of a short is just really great I think, I don't know, I think um, a lot of my favorite pieces, especially animation, actually, or short films, uh, off the top of my head, I can think, like, Pixar's Night and Day, uh, or Day and Night, I forgot which one is which, look it up, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing, I can't think of it, if it's, if it's, like, too much longer, I think it mm -hmm. just does not, you know, it's not as interesting, or uh, pieces by a, a Quebecois uh, artist, uh, Frederick Beck, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, like, I just can't, you know, and there's some, like, there's some pieces just so bursting with energy that if you mm -hmm. seat somebody in the dark for 90 minutes, you wear them out. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, some things are just great as shorts and stories too. Uh, how many times have we seen, like, short stories stretched out as novels and you you got, like, what you wanted out of it for 20 pages and you still put it in your, like, bathroom and try to finish the rest of mm -hmm. it, you know? Um, but for me, though, um, I think a lot of it is that, you know, filmmaking is just a lot of responsibility. Uh, a lot of, if you're lucky, you get to work with people you really like. And they're all placing, um, you know, they're all placing so much trust in your hands. So sometimes it, it shorts, I think, just <laughs> for me, alleviates some of that responsibility. You know, if you're... I don't know if you're certain totally go for it uh even if you're uncertain i think s some people should go for it anyway but for me i just feel like they are people i should answer to and they are really talented people i should answer to and i know that i can um keep everyone happy and fulfilled for five days mm -hmm. but yeah. i don't feel that amazing about keeping them around for <laughs> 20 days it's uh, a long time for so, anyone yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's that's for me too. The same thing that everybody else has said, uh, and I think to add maybe just a little bit to it, maybe is just that it gives you a chance to to do it because it's, it's it takes a lot of resources to get the feature going. Maybe I mean it doesn't have to, but like it seems infinitely more resources are needed. I mean you could do the thing where your short was like a lot of resources, but like it's a very expensive art form to practice, right? So it's not very easy as a poor person to be like I'm gonna make a film so like you try to do what you can with what you got and try to take that spirit to each project I think don't change that when you when you start making if you do start making bigger budget films or whatever because uh, I think you could take more risks maybe uh, but it, yeah it just gives you that chance to practice because it's just like anything right practice makes perfect right like hopefully if you make one film you're gonna make a better one and then you'll make a better one so the more you can do it the better obviously hopefully you get for those listening at home Kamal makes beautiful hand gestures as he talks <laughs> I t I, I'm always right. in front we of we all class. agree right right yeah, I'm like yeah, yes yeah. so I'm always yes. doing this nobody else is talking he's still doing that nobody else is talking nobody else talks with their hands yeah, yeah. very strange
I'll do it too. <laughs> now. Flourish. All right, let's suppose those at home. I'm still so nervous. I'm just gripping the mic. I'm like, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what everyone said, I mean, I think short stories are my favorite things to read and my favorite writers are short story writers. And I, I love the way you can do th- just how you can finish a short story and it just lingers and it sticks with you. Um, and I think that kind of reflects what you were saying about the intimacy of shorts. I mean, shorts programs for me can sometimes be very, very difficult because you don't know what's about to be seen next. Mm-hmm. And it, you can go on such a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, one moment you're just completely devastated and crying and the next moment you're laughing wildly. And then, mm-hmm. and it's, it can actually be really anxiety inducing. <laughs> and, and I think that's amazing that you can still go into a theater and have that experience sometimes it can be pure torture too because you're just like you leave and you're like i need a drink you know but that speaks i think about the impact of short um films and obviously it's helpful that our attention spans have gotten a lot smaller because of the internet am i right guys um but i did you say i wasn't paying (laughs) (laughs) sorry i was was just instagramming mean this um it's choosing a filter um Uh, But yeah, and I think also I was just really worried about I've been on a million indie film sets and as you know, I said at the top of this like I was familiar with things, but I also felt really nervous about other about not knowing everything about cameras and aspect ratios and the way that I would like to and I then was just reminded on a set like when you to, to do a short is the best thing to it's the best way to start so you can yeah. learn that mm-hmm. and also realize that you're not totally inept um and so i think any any holes or a deficit that you feel like you're having a short film is a really good place to um to figure out where you feel strong and where you feel yeah. weak and um so when you finally get all that all those millions of dollars for your feature <laughs> you're good to go yeah i mean it helps you you, you build your visual vocabulary right because you don't like how does a hug look it may look it may work or you think you need to like say something to get that across but or just allow it gives you a little bit of currency to mm-hmm. show people i think yeah. a lot of things on paper uh, i don't know i feel like we are entering this stage where a lot of like big films are just built on like lookbooks and totally. papers. Mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell remake anybody? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm being so hot takey right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and so I think I think making something short, I think sometimes it fills in the gap where words and and, and, and again, it, I think it builds either trust or lack of trust for people having you. And sometimes mm-hmm. that is good. Sometimes there are people who shouldn't uh, uh, work for you, uh, uh, or you shouldn't work with, and mm-hmm. they see you're short, and you kind of understand. So, so it breaks boundaries, and but also draws some boundaries that are very useful, I think, in this mm. business. Yeah, it's good. Well, fantastic! It's been such an honor to talk to everyone. The films that the people at this table have at the festival are all just wonderful in these very different ways, and I look forward to seeing what everyone does next. And just want to say thank you for sitting down with us and, and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. This is Oakley Anderson Moore, and thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Indie Film Weekly this Thursday, and subscribe to the No Film School podcast on any podcast platform in any country, in any universe out there. <laughs>